You're listening to the Piper Carter podcast on the Detroit is Different podcast network. special edition of the Piper Carter podcast. I am so honored to have today the one and only mother of the creator of Neo Soul, uh, the most prolific hip hop producer ever, uh, a Detroit icon and legend, Ma Dukes. Yancey, the mother of Jay, Dilla, J.D., John Doe, James DeWitt, Yancey. Welcome to Piper Carter Podcast, my dudes. Well, thank you. Very happy to be here. Wow, my dudes. You are, I mean, you're colossal. Thank you're you. so amazing. <laughs> you know, I people, People love you, my dukes. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. There's not enough love in the world, you know, and, and I'm just grateful for every little bit. It goes a long way. It gives me more love to spread, you know. Wow, it's amazing. The mother of Jay Dilla. I mean, this is incredible. Um, well, first, I want to get into your most recent project that you have going on because you have so much going on all the time. Everyone's pulling at you, but <laughs> I want to get like right into the, the most recent thing that is just amazing. You're telling me about it. Can you please tell us what are you working on right now? What, you know, is in the ecosphere and what can everyone look forward to right now? Oh, okay. Right now, the shining star right now is the Jay Dilla tech grant. And um, it's uh, sponsored by uh, VH1 and uh, Save the Music. And it's actually um, one of the main supporters uh, is Cadillac this year. They've taken on the place uh, where it used to be Toyota. So the tech grant has been running for a couple years. And initially it was for high schools uh, around the country. And uh, just since this past December, we have added junior high schools. So you, if you have a music class in uh, a junior high school, middle school, and I think that's what they call it nowadays, then uh, you definitely can apply. Uh, the thing uh, that's most um, important is having the teacher who's willing to give that time each week to the class uh, to see that it's done in the school, in the classroom. Of course, there are exceptions for this year during the pandemic. There are students that are actually learning at home virtually uh, with their instructor because of the pandemic. So uh, this has been running for a couple years now and uh, it's very successful. Uh, we have children that are really excited and long waiting list at school. So, you know, it's something that you might wanna look into. Uh, we'd be very, very happy, and I'm sure VH1 Save the Music would be very, very happy for any applications for the tech grant. Uh, they're excited about it too. And uh, this gives uh, 
a wonderful background and training for those students that are interested in a career in music. And it's not just for one thing, but there are very many uh, careers that can come from the hands-on, as you know, Piper, by the STEAM programs and working directly with electronics and instruments. And they provide these things for the students. So this is just outstanding program. We have uh, those, we have a couple schools in uh, Philly. We have a couple schools in New York. We have uh, just recently uh, Central High School in Detroit, which I'm very happy about. Uh, we have schools in California, high schools. We have two high schools in uh, New Orleans and they are the first to receive um, tech grant in junior high in New Orleans. So they'll help us there, just apply and, uh, and get busy and, and uh, provide your students with something that is meaningful and that could go a long way in their life. After all, they've taken so much out of the schools and we have to address these things, culture-wise and professional learning skills for those students. And this is so beautiful. I mean, is this work coming out of the uh, the foundation? This is work that uh, came about because of the foundation. And uh, that's how we were noticed. And I'll tell you, it was a brainchild of I Am Other, uh, which is uh, Pharrell is in the background of that, uh, who initiated the thought process and talks with the Save the Music and VH1. And that's how it all began. And uh, it's been a few years now that it's been active. And we have, uh, if you go to the uh, my website, website, the foundation website, you can look and see uh, how we've done classroom sessions with uh, uh, Jean Wyclef. Uh, he's promoting this also. And we did the red carpet uh, with MTV. Uh, well, not last year, because last year, of course, was pandemic okay for the year prior and uh so you know it's a lot there it's information on there and how to apply and what's necessary and i tell you they're just waiting for people to add this to their curriculum for the schools wow and so um tell us a bit more about the uh the foundation the jay dilla foundation like how did the jay dilla foundation come about and like when you, you can help me with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Jay Dillon Foundation came about with the help of my great friend, Piper Carter. Okay. We started working and doing some things to celebrate Dillon's legacy years ago. Gee, was it? Uh, and, and then we started, we formed the foundation. Actually, uh, the beginning of the foundation was formed in in Los Angeles in 2006, right after uh, Dilla passed, uh, with the help of uh, Jay Barber uh, and uh, myself and Ozzy Sheen. So we started there. And then when I moved back to Detroit, of course, the foundation moved to Detroit with me. And um, we've been just paying it forward and trying to do things for children to bring um, information to parents. First off, that if children are talented and have skills that they haven't even began to touch base with. And uh, we just want them to see and experiment and, and to learn with their children uh, all these great gifts that they come with. I do truly believe that all children come with special gifts and we have to take time to nurture them, 
to realize them first and then to nurture them. And sometimes we need the right equipment because it might just be something that's technical that they are involved in or can do very well. Uh, the Jay Dilla Foundation, of course, with your help, Piper, uh, started the STEAM program for that, and that was so successful. And it has moved into uh, many uh, chapters in different cities uh, in the U.S. And one in London. I can't forget Spin Doctor, um, that he carries on the tradition to elevate James' name every year in London. But uh, yes, there are so many uh, chapters. We have chapters in Las Vegas. We have a chapter in Chicago. We have chapter in uh, California. And that's run by Frank Nitt. And we have a chapter in, uh, let's see, did I say New York already? We have chapter in New York. Uh, we have chapter in Atlanta. We have two different uh, chapters in Atlanta because they have different purposes. And uh, then we have chapter in Miami. Uh, we have another chapter, missing somebody. We have one in, uh, I've said Vegas, but I'm missing somebody, okay? So, oh, Atlanta, that's Atlanta. Yes, and so yes, we're, we're steadily growing. We're steadily growing and uh, the interest is, is tumultuous, you know, and uh, it brings families together it helps uh, parents to realize the strength of their children and also what's needed and what they might consider as career choices. This is, I mean, <clears throat> I want to, you know, tell you, I got to tell you some stories, my dude. Uh-huh. They're good stories, but. <laughs> so, all ears. So my initial experience with well when I first met you was through doing a tribute yes uh, the first tribute that I that I was involved in uh-huh for Jay Dilla and so I moved back to Detroit in 2008 okay. uh, after having a, a career in New York City doing fashion photography and um when I was when I came to Detroit, I I, uh, I ended up meeting DJ Dez um, yeah. through the uh, this event called Funk Night. Oh yes, yeah, and they would play uh, Frank Rain's event. No, actually, Frank Rain's took it over, but Brad that owned um, People's Records had this night that was dedicated to he would play. Uh, rare 45s okay rare funk 45s all night and um <clears throat> he's a white guy and so it'd be like three thousand white kids <laughs> dancing all night long and the dj is brad and and a couple other people i think frank rains was with him and they'd be playing these funk 45s like all night long um yeah. and they would have uh they would find the people who actually played on the records from back in the seventies, okay. they would come up with a little stipend and then they, those people would perform. They would be elders at the time, but they would perform to their record or they perform their record. Right. Oh, wow. So yeah. they would have like different headliners. So there'd be like the DJ would play these 45s all night. And then the, the, the bands that they would resurface would be the headliner. Right. 
And okay. so um, Dez would be there. He'd be one of the DJs. They'd have all the different DJs. And okay. so, um, yeah, so you've got to love music. It's a very, you know, music lover's thing. And yeah. so uh, I was going to that and I met um, DJ Dez. Okay. And so uh, Dez and I became friends because I'm a music nerd and... <laughs> um, Dez is a music nerd. If you know, if anyone knows Dez, yeah. Dez that's his artist that. name, DJ Dez. And so through, I would go over Dez's house like three, four days a week. And he had his whole setup in the basement, right? Okay. So he'd be playing the, uh, his records. You know, he's got a bajillion records. <laughs> and so much time had passed I only knew Dez as DJ Dez, right? That that exactly. DJ stuff at Funk Night. And okay. so one day, um, I was at, you know, wherever I was, I don't know, maybe lunch or something. And someone says, blah, blah, blah. And I, we were talking about uh, the history of Jay Dilla. Uh -huh. So then I say, oh my God, I, I love Jay Dilla. You know, I'm such a huge fan. Uh, you know, I really, you know, I really love, you know, uh, the music, the sound, blah, blah, blah. And um, I said, you know, I'd love to meet his mother, right? Wow. And the person goes, why don't you just ask Dez? So then I go, Dez no. <laughs> I'm like, Dez knows Jay Dilla's mother, <laughs> right? And they're like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I said, wow, I wonder how he met her. And, uh, they're like, from from Slum. And I go, oh, Des knows Slum Village? <laughs> and they were like, Des? Oh, my God. Des the DJ for Slum Village. I'm like, exactly. And so uh, they're like, yeah. I said, man, he never said anything about that. You know what? And he does, and he's closed mouth. Isn't he? <laughs> and uh, I go to Des and I go, You DJ for Slum Village? He's like, eh, oh. Yeah, you know. And, uh, <laughs> I go, Oh, I said, I said, Man, I said, We need to do a, you know, a tribute. We need to do a tribute. And Des was like, Nah, people tried to do it before, it didn't turn out well type of thing. I said, no, no, no. I'm like, I'm like, we need to contact his mother and uh, ask her, you know, she'd be cool. Like we need to do, you know? And so uh, he kind of stayed away from it for a while. And then uh, I don't know, like some time passed, maybe a couple months passed. Right. Yes. And uh, now uh, we were, so this was like 2008, right? The same year okay. I moved there, like in the wow. winter. So um, I had started, because I had the gallery, the hip hop art gallery. Exactly. I had doing this uh, no misogyny open mic, right? Called the Foundation for Women in Hip Hop. I started doing that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I started doing that. And it was on Tuesdays and it was weekly. So I started that in 09. And so we've been doing that and it's been going pretty well. And um, I remember, you know, everyone would come. And then I, I told Des, I said, you know, what would be cool is uh, 
if we could get, you know, my Dukes to come, right, on a Tuesday and we celebrate her for women in hip hop, right? And so I have been trying to, this was before I met you, before oh, I met you. Yeah. And so uh, everybody kept telling me that was impossible, right? Really? And I was like, wow. I said, well, somebody's got to be able to get in touch with her, you know? And then uh, I'm trying to remember who put me in touch with Kendra. Okay. And so uh, someone, I, I don't remember who, and I apologize, I don't remember you, but someone was like, guess what, Piper? You know, you've been trying to get in touch with my Dukes. You've been trying to do this tribute for Dilla. Um, you should talk to Kendra because she's revamping all the paperwork and everything for the J. Dilla Foundation. Yeah. And, um, you know, she probably needs some help. I said, oh, that'd be great, you know? So I reach out to Kendra <laughs> and I tell her like, oh, I've been wanting to do this tribute, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, good, because we want to relaunch and that'd be great. And so through this whole thing, somehow, some way, some shape, some form, Mochilla, uh, the Mochilla, the guys of Mochilla. Yes. Um, they contact me. <clears throat> yes. And they're like, we have a film, right? They're like, they're like, you're gonna do somehow, they're like, you're gonna do a Dilla tribute. And I'm like, yeah. They're like, in Detroit? I'm like, yeah. They're like, oh, we have a film. And the film goes with an album. Yeah. Exactly. The album is called The Sweet for My Dukes. And yeah. it's this beautiful black and white film shot by B+. Plus. And uh -huh. B+, Plus is one of my favorite hip-hop photographers. His yes. yes. And um, they're like, and this conductor, Miguel At Atwater Ferguson... Yes. Uh, uh, create uh, took all the Dilla beats and turned and wrote out the music to them, what? and turned them into sheet music. And it, you know, performed it with this multicultural orchestra in LA, and we filmed it. And I was like, "Wow, that sounds amazing!" <laughs> and um, and they're like, "Yeah," and they're like, "My Dukes, you know, is the center. This and that." They're like, "Can we bring the film?" to your tribute. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? And I was like, I was like, yo, though, I don't have money. You know, I can't bring you guys. Yeah, they're like, no, no, no. We'll bring ourselves. Yeah. I said, are you serious? They're like, yeah. They're like, we'll bring ourselves. And they flew to Detroit. Yes. They flew Miguel to Detroit. And they, uh, they, they gave out, I think it was like two or 300 DVDs. Yeah. Of the film, Sweet for My Dukes. Uh-huh. And we connected with, well, by that time I had met you. Yes. And um we uh we 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 talked and then I was like, oh my dukes, um, we want to give you an award. I remember the night. I remember. And we had um uh Halim. Or no, it was Crisco. Okay. Uh, made the award. One of the B-boys. Exactly. Exactly. Made the award from scratch. Was like, oh, I'm going to make this, made this award from scratch. Remember it snowed. It was a bad snowstorm. It was bad. Yeah. And Dream Hampton was supposed to come introduce this whole intro for you. Uh -huh. And she was like, look, it's too bad. I can't come out. 
and and she uh, did the intro over the phone. Okay. Remember, we yeah. put the phone up to the microphone. Exactly. exactly. And Hampton was on the microphone and did this whole tribute to you. It was beautiful. And um, and we gave you the award and we did this whole thing uh, because, you know, on Tuesdays we dedicate to women in hip hop. And we were like, we're going to do it on our Tuesday women in hip hop night. And we called it uh, My Dukes is the Foundation because our night was called The Foundation. And we said hey. My Dukes is the Foundation. We showed the film. We had all the performances from all the people who had ever made music with Dilla. Not ever, but the people in wow. Detroit. Right. Yes, Mate. Yes. So uh, yeah. it was like Fat Cat and Guilty and even yeah. House Shoes flew in. Exactly. House exactly. Shoes flew in and Mo Chilla was there and, and Miguel came and it was so amazing. My like Duelle came. Yes. It was so amazing. And then uh, and, and Phil Freshman made that painting uh, of Dilla for you. That was the first his first, the first time showing yeah. in a gallery. Yeah. Yes. That was so amazing. Oh, oh my God. That, that painting. Goodness. And and everybody from Detroit came out. It was like a, but that was, that was, and and I think there hadn't been a tribute since Dilla had passed was what was that? Oh, six. It it hadn't been. um, I think uh, someone gave one. I think uh, Callie had one, but I wasn't there anymore. And, uh, that was the first, that was the very first. And that's how I met. So from there, uh, that's how I met, you know, I mean, I had known, you know, that we, we would do do tributes in New York and, you know, crazy, but we, but we hadn't done it in Detroit. And I was like, wow. So from there, I said, Oh, my deuce, we want to do this again. Cause we, cause when we did it, collected the money at the door, but we didn't keep the money. We gave it to the foundation. Exactly. And I remember every moment, I remember where I was sitting and everybody that was there that night, you know, it was, it was amazing. Like, it was, it was so awesome. And, uh, oh my God, families came. It, it was just beautiful. It was just- beautiful. So from there we said, oh, we got to do this again. Right. So we did it again, uh, the next year. And, um, and so that next year, uh, we had, we, we weren't able to get all the performances, right. Yeah. And so um and so we did a a panel. And so exactly. instead of performances we had a panel. It was Amp Fiddler and he talked about his history with Dilla, how he taught Dilla how to open up, well how he taught Dilla the technology and Dilla uh was tweaked opened up the MPC and tweaked it uh-huh. and that's how the sound was created and he talked about how uh that was the Dilla sound and then I think he broke it, broke one. And he gave that one to Wajid, and that's where Wajid sound came from. And he got another one, and <laughs> that one, and gave it to Tarak, and that's where Tarak sound came from. Yeah. And then, uh, and he just talked about this history of how Dilla used to go over his house, you know, in Coney Gardens. Yeah. Oh my God, that was like church for Dilla. Hmm. <laughs> Amp rain, and and not just for Dilla, but for so many mu- young musicians uh, in the Coney Gardens area. He he was open door for anyone that wants to learn. It's amazing. He just talked about how he would come, how Dilla, he talked about Dilla's work ethic and how Dilla would go to his house or his basement uh-huh. every single day and work for hours. He said the other kids would would come 
He said, but they would they weren't as, you know, the work ethic wasn't like what Dilla's was. He said he knew, you know, Dilla had it because he said he would be there hours and hours and hours trying to figure yeah. stuff out. He didn't he didn't know what he was facing when he got home. And I had no idea he was learning like he was. Mm. I'm like, oh my God. And and I would, you know, I, I was a taskmaster and also he caught it, you know, with my mouth and whatever. But he let me know full well. He said, well, I just have to suffer the consequences, Ma, because I got to do my music. And when he said that, I mean, how could I say anything? Because I knew how much music uh, meant to him. I knew how much music could heal and the benefits. So it was just open and shut case, you know. And, you know, what's crazy is like, so uh, that, so I think it was like that, it, it was, you know, Amp was on the panel, Nick Speed was on the panel, and I think Fivella was on the panel. Yeah. And, and, and the only performance we had was the uh, Urban Strings Youth Orchestra, right? Oh, I love, yes. And that was their first time, shouts out to Cecilia, and wow. they, they learned like I don't know what they learned some uh, Lady Gaga or something, and they played that music. And then when they were done, I remember being like, "Hey, can y'all freestyle, right?" <laughs> and, and then uh, Amp and uh, you know Nick Speed and them go over it, and I just remember the kids looking at me like, "What do you want me to do?" No, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember being like, "Please, please, please," and they were like, "No, we don't." know it we don't know how to do it blah blah and i and uh the 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 and i asked the one young person did they know how to pick their uh their violin because you know they're the string orchestra exactly. that are listening it's uh violin viola cello bass right exactly. and uh and the, and the kids being like are you crazy you don't play the violin with your fingers <laughs> And I was like, no, no, this is hip hop. You can do it every, you could, I'm like, you could turn into a rhythm instrument. They were like, what? <laughs> and uh, I just remember being like, please try, try, try. And they were like, ah, okay. And I remember they tried it and magic happened. Yes. Amp went with them, you know, over them and was singing and Nick Speed was rapping and they were playing and everyone was looking. It was just amazing. It was so magical. It was so amazing. You know, it's almost spiritual. Um, and it was there. It was there because I remember asking them, could they play one of Dilla's songs, right? Yes. And um, the kids had come late, right? And <laughs> I just remember the kids being like, who is that? <laughs> and I just remember being like, oh, no, they don't know who Jay Dilla is at the Jay Dilla Tribute. <laughs> and I just remember being like, you know what? We've got to dedicate this to the kids. Yeah. This has to be for the kids. Like the next generation has to know. And at that time around Detroit, wherever you went, majority of people did not know who Dilla was. Exactly. Exactly. Everywhere was, we went, people be like, nobody oh, <laughs> knew. But, you know, that was uh, probably because he didn't want anybody to see him or, or look at him. Or, you know, he was like uh, so introverted. Uh, you know, when he wasn't on stage, mm -hmm. he was alone, you know, he was down doing the music, making the music, and he didn't want to be seen. And yeah. it's interesting because, like, you know, he created a whole genre, right? He created Neo Soul. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's interesting. So I, I just remember the, the, that next year, though, that, that following year, that third year, 
Yes. I remember contacting you like, you know what, my dukes, we're going to do the tribute again, but it's only going to be for kids. We're going to call it Dilla Youth Day. Yes. That and was- I started working with kids at the time. So I started working with youth at the time. And exactly. um, I got involved with the, uh, the uh, Detroit Digital Justice Coalition where I helped you know, found that help, you know, was part of the founding team of that. Exactly. And we yeah. started uh teaching community, you know, how to use technology. And I was like, yeah, let's just bring this over here. And uh, <laughs> we we got, you know, people, we got like the people who made music with Dilla, but then people like DJ Head who had Dilla's yeah. he was like, I'll bring Dilla's original you know, SP 1200 yeah. the music with Tribe Called Quest on. Exactly. Could, like see that. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? He uh-huh. was like, yeah. So he brought that. And then uh, Dez came and, you know, just Amp came and was like, well, I could teach, you know, kids how to make some beats. And so all these amazing people, you know, DJ Los came and was like, I could teach kids how to scratch. And, you know, mm-hmm. Mahogany Jones came and was like, well, I could teach kids oh. how to write and oh. rap. And oh my God. The beat boys came like, you know, uh, hardcore Detroit and, you know, B girl mama and all them. And, uh, Halim, they were like, well, I could come and teach the kids how to dance. And, we were like, this is great. And then, you know, we had graffiti artists and everything. And um, that's when you were like, well, this is beautiful that it's for kids. Yes. And we got um, we got the food donated, like Whole Foods. I know that was uh, that was something right there. That was that was something hard to that do. Was Paulie. Uncle Paulie yeah. got Whole Foods to donate all the, the, the healthy food for the kids, like fruits and vegetables. And um, and that's when we met Dilla's daughters. Yes. They were little girls and they came exactly. and started yeah, making remember. beats. Yeah, I remember um, that was Paige's first time, time and day. I call her Paige, I'm sorry. But that was her first time uh, on equipment. And she was so proud of she's She's still so proud of that first beat that she made, you know. And she never will forget it. It meant so much to her. Yeah, I mean, and it was just amazing to have his daughter making beats, right? Exactly. Now, and she, it was so cool. Yeah, and and uh, she still talks about that. And she actually will be, actually, is a couple of weeks away from being, turning twenty-one. <laughs> so, isn't that amazing? That's something. Yeah. And then, uh, and then just from there, you know, we just started. Um, you know, we, we were like, okay, this is what it is. We're going to dedicate um, this time, this event to the youth and to, yeah. and to building up um, programming for the youth. And so it became this hands-on, you know, event exactly. uh, that was like technology and arts and culture. And, and, then, and then we were like, and you know what? We don't want to have any adult perform like no adult performances. The adults exactly. that come, they teach and exactly. they share, right? Exactly. And then remember Urban Strings Youth Orchestra came back. They performed again. They were always requested, you know. Right. I fell in love with them, you know, and, and I think about them still to the day. I love them. And you know, it's crazy. Like, I remember uh we were on what, like maybe like year five or something. Uh-huh. 
and uh five yeah i think like year five and five or six something like that and uh i remember uh coming up to it we had the youth program and i remember uh telling the youth at the time um you know i wanted them to now you know learn some dilla songs right yes <laughs> um and so um we were like okay well what songs should we have them learn and i just remember thinking because it was uh so much going on after the you know the trayvon the mike brown and all yeah. that kind of stuff and i just remember being like i want them to learn f the police <laughs> I remember, oh yes i remember and everyone was like, Pipe, you can't have the kids play yeah. at the police. And I was like, why not? <laughs> and um, I just, and, that, and then we went over and over and over. And then uh, that's when we finally said, okay, we won't have the kids say F the police. We'll have the kids say, watch the police. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and we had them learn, you know, how to play, you know, the F the police. And then uh, I remember... Um, so we had some other young people at the time who were, you know, MCs as well. And so we had shouts out to Kari Frazier of Detroit is different. Uh -huh. And also to, uh, Sterling Tolls. They ended up, I asked them to work with the youth to, um, have the young people write rhymes about yeah. their encounters with police and, um, you know, right. police terrorism, um, stop and frisk, you know, this kind of thing. Yeah. And so um, they did. And so the young people worked for like uh, three months or so, three or four months with them, just learning about, you know, what is the stop and frisk rules and know your rights and, you know, exactly. and in police terrorism framework. And from there, they wrote their, they wrote their rhymes, right? And let me tell you, my dudes, y'all came, his daughters came, everybody came. And um, it was so hot. And you know, that part where it says one, two, three, F the uh -huh. police, <laughs> everybody was just, it was just, but they didn't say F, they said, watch the police, right? And uh -huh. it was just exuberant. It was amazing. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. I remember every single one. And do you remember that somebody called the police and the police came? <laughs> I, I do remember. I do remember. Yes, I, and I remember. I went to the. <laughs> and we were trying to figure out who in the world would do something like that. I went to the door. I was so scared because the place was rocking. And the kids were like on the stage saying, F the police. And I just remember walking to the door and seeing them there. Well, I saw the I saw the police there. They were in uniform and they came. They could barely get in because it was packed. It was packed. Yes. And I remember them looking at me right when the kids said that. And I just saw the officer. There was a black officer and a white officer. <laughs> and I just saw the white officer throw his hands up and start Earl Flynn and talking about one, two, three, watch the police. <laughs> I had to tell you that story. Oh my God, I do remember. Oh my God, yes. And they and he and I went to the officer and I was like, you know, he was like, you know what? He was like, somebody called us, 
and told us about it's a lot of noise or commotion or a lot of people. He, he was yeah. like, but this is so beautiful. The energy in here is amazing. He yeah. was like, great message. He was like, you know, the kids are just wonderful. He was like, keep this going. He's like, it's beautiful. Oh, and so many parents there. So we had so many fam. It was so many families there. So many families. Yes, and you. It, it's really hard. It's always, always been hard to get families to come together to do something. You know, to take the time out of their Sundays. Or you know, usually it was Sundays. Yeah. Um, you know, to come and and see different things that are going on and and uh, be with youth especially if they worked, even especially if they were out the night before, but parents made a sacrifice. And I mean, it was as many full families as it was single children, you know, it's just like everybody, everybody came, everybody could get away there came. And, and you know, that was intentional. You know, we had built that up because we would ask parents every year, you know, mm -hmm. what do you need to be able to come? And exactly. the parents would tell us if it was on a Sunday Afternoon, you know, after church. Yeah. And I had enough time to get there. I could break. So we did that. We said, okay, we'll do it Sunday afternoon after church. Exactly. That, and we that had stuff cool. for the parents to do too, right? Exactly. There was exactly. And if they had been yeah. out the night before, it was consideration that they get up in time to, to get the kids ready and still make it. And I mean, it was from the time the door opened, they would pile it in, you know? And it was all ages, right? Cause there's cool stuff for the teens to do. There's cool stuff. And, and, you know, we, we were doing the maker space. They were doing robotics. We had yeah. input everything from like, I'm gonna call it like low tech all the way to like high tech stuff, you know? And then, and eventually we got Ableton. Yes. Um, and Ableton came in for about two or three years and they gave us shoot like a couple of hundred pieces of uh, Ableton software to give to the kids. Um, uh, I, we had been struggling though. Like we had tried to get a Kai and Native Instruments, but they were never responsive. Yeah. No, they're, they're really them. slow. They're slow moving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we grew it right from uh, what was it, 150 kids when we started, all the way up to like 3,000. Thousands, yes. And Thousands. we and we uh, and they talked about it because uh, they would put the you know footage on on uh, the air. You see it when you click on Detroit, you would see snippets. You know and things of, of how it went. I was watching it. I would watch it from home myself when I even after I had left Detroit. It was just beautiful, just a beautiful family-oriented thing, uh, educational and exciting and entertaining. And plus you fed them. <laughs> you fed them. We fed them, we fed them healthy meals. You always had enough and even and they had a meal and snacks and just like so beautiful. You know? And they would take home what they made, you know, for exactly. the day. They were so proud because they weren't forced to do any particular thing. They involved themselves in what they wanted to do, you know, and, and that was that was the beauty of it. Usually in an academic situation, you might get locked into a certain space because you only have so many spaces. But it, it seemed to pan out that everybody was where they want to be. And it was just beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, the kids would perform, you know, and then yes, they, loved they it. would learn they all forward. aspects, they right? Forward to it. Yes. They look forward to it all year. Yeah, they did. And so from that, think about this, that event we did was almost a decade, right? Yes. And so uh, many of those 
kids, like the time when we started the event, when you when we would go around Detroit, people yeah. barely knew who Dilla was, right? You're right. To this day, many of the Detroiters, especially if they're under a certain age, right? Mm-hmm. If they're like a generation Z, exactly. they know about Dilla because they came to our event. They were a kid, right? Exactly. Coming to our event. And so now you have the, I'm going to say the normalization or, you know, the, 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 the spreading of um, the, you know, for people in Detroit to know who Dilla is that, you know, yes. cause we would be on the, the news. We would, we would, we did a great job with getting the, the PR oh, out. And so, so now everybody media. knows who Dilla is, you know, so much media. Yes, indeed. So much media. So now here in Detroit, you know, it's like, we're like, it used to bother me, you know? Yeah, because oh, it's why don't people know him? You know, like everybody else hometown knew about him before his own hometown knew, but uh, it it made it happen. You made it happen by continuation and, and sticking with it. And you know what's beautiful? Like when I see young people that are adults now, and like, oh, I grew up in Dilla Youth Day, and they and and now, I mean, this generation they love Dilla. They love Dilla. Yes, you have whole communities built on you know, just this, the Dilla pantheon or the Dilla, you yeah, know. I'm, uh, I'm telling you, it's so true. So true. And this is why uh, the Dilla Tech grant is so important uh, because we all don't have money to, you know, to send our school children to schools that would uh, have these different type of equipment and, you know, things to work with or have any type of music but it's a great need because we have talented children. It just seems like Detroit more than anywhere else has always been overbrimming with uh, talented young people. And uh, it's just time to open the doors and, and to give them what they need. Uh, they're brilliant and, and they can use it, you know? Yeah. It's so great. So, so amazing. Great. So amazing. Yes. Well, yeah. So, um, well, I definitely want to, uh talk about these these new projects that you have going on you you told me that there's a couple of or a bunch of i'm sure you always have <laughs> people hitting there's <laughs> always a bunch of the line <laughs> yeah but, but the, you told me about um some ones in particular you know that are coming up yeah, yeah this year so let's talk about those okay well dresden dilla uh is a project that's coming up oh and uh Yes, that is a project, uh, Dress from Black Sheep. Uh, most of us that have any age, well, I, I'm uh, jumping back a couple of generations. I'm trying to be a little younger right now. <laughs> My mind says I can remember. But uh, we have that project, and I believe uh, Chuck D is uh, participating and a few other artists. I'll uh, have to get those names for you. But uh, it's just uh, amazing uh, the people that have come forth that want to be a part of it because it's Dilla, you know, and uh, we're using music that we already have. And uh, so we don't have to worry about that. It's a, a delicious vinyl project and it's just going to be amazing. And uh, we also have um, puppet project. We have patches that a boy named patches that's a, beginning to do Dilla stories. And uh, I'll be doing some of the um, narrating with the puppets. And uh, that will be done because of the pandemic. I guess we'll, we'll be doing a lot online and that will be in the coming months. 
But Patches, you can see, uh, he has a lot of things on IG that he talks about. And it's a young boy, um, but around between seven and nine and uh, school age and, and learning different things and making friends uh, universally. So we talk about Patches and he'll be doing a lot of things to Dilla Music and, uh, and a lot of other things, you know, for young people. So we're just not trying to do just Dilla, but we're trying to be family and to bring about storytelling like we used to have storytelling, you know, for the families, uh, how we used to sit down at, at grandma's knee and, and listen to things and to find out and to learn and to ask questions. I remember when uh, children asked so many questions, you were like, my God, I hope that's another question kind of thing. But they've gotten away from it now because everything's so technical with the uh, iPhones in hand and, and phones in hand. And we lose a lot of the communication. So this pandemic time has been a time to reach out and to touch base with our children and to re, uh, re evaluate what we do with our time and to take the extra few minutes to talk to our loved ones at home and to find out what they're doing, how they're feeling, what's on their mind. And uh, it's something that we've gotten away from that's still very important to know how the person that you're living with is feeling and what they're thinking about and make sure that they're uh, doing well every day. You know, it's another way of saying, I love you and I'm thinking I care. So we're doing a lot of things with the youth of all ages and uh, not just with the music, but we have puppets to address children and to talk about different things. Wow, that sounds incredible. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Wow. So, and then you've got, um, there's a book, right, that's coming out? I think yes, there's a book that's being published this year. Uh, it's called Dilla Time, and uh, it's uh, being done by Dan Charnas. And uh, Questlove is helping him to do this project. And uh, I forget which publishing publishing house, but it was, uh, I posted about it a couple years ago when once uh, it was accepted for publishing. And I'm so excited because it talks about Dilla and his uh, theory with music and how he uh, crafted a new way to play instrument and uh, musicians and drummers, not just drummers, but musicians have uh, associated a new way through his teaching, how to play and love their instruments to get the sound that they wanted. That was not just traditional and, you know, just like stuck in a format, but he gave the freedom, I believe, I would think, because I don't play an instrument, but this is what I uh, think that it's about. Having that freedom to stay within where you're supposed to be, but to do other things. And uh, yes, so that book tells about it. It's called Dilla Time and it'll be out uh, at least by the end of the year, I'm hoping because of the pandemic, uh, I'm not sure exactly when it would probably have been out already had it not been for the pandemic, but it's coming soon. So I'm yeah. excited about that. I'm excited too, because yeah. you know, I think the whole, we, we always talk about how this whole genre of uh, lo-fi yes. is based yeah. on, uh, I'd say like the Dilla Pantheon. Yes, yes. Yeah, and the Dilla time, I guess that's like the timing. He had a, a bit of like a drag or a slower type of timing. Yes. And, and it was purposely. It was to make room for other things and that would come to mind. A lot of things he put aside, but his everything that he did was intentional. So it was not like, like 
he forgot or was waiting. It was definitely intentional. But uh, once you master this set timing that he had, it's uh, uh, easy to understand. Because I had it had to be explained to me, you know. <laughs> and these are people that know and uh, that play and and that are uh, top of the line in their fields that you know appreciated that much to to lend their ear and time and to put it together. So I'm just thrilled that uh, the world is uh, learning about Dilla. And uh, on top of that, being uh, in the Smithsonian uh, Museum, you know, of African American history and culture is another plus for Dilla because he wasn't here to, to see it, but his work lives on. And, and I just love that because every child can go and see and learn uh, when that, those doors open back up without having to worry. My main thing was to uh, be able to have young people educate themselves without having to have an admission price or something. This is what the big thing for me was. Because growing up, I didn't have funds to do certain things, but I had you know, taking voice lessons as a, a young child, uh, classical. And I know my mom had to pay and she couldn't afford for me to do it, but she did as long as she could. And those things are important that you have a desire to do something. And if you don't have the money that you don't get the opportunity, those doors are shut. So it's very important to be able to give and pay it forward in some type of manner. And it doesn't always have to be financially, but just the giving of the gifts that open the door to say, this is who I am, and, and uh, these are the things that I did, and these are the people that I worked with. And it all ties together because it's so much to learn about all of the great musicians and the leaders in our heritage since the beginning of time, you know, since the beginning of the time here in the U.S. that, that we know of. It's chronicled, you know, and it's just a beautiful thing to be able to know what our ancestors did how they did it and came through and where we are now. It's a wonderful learning experience. It doesn't cost anything but to get there and to make it happen. And I think schools will begin to resume that you know, journey and uh, to get to see the different things and the, know the accomplishments that they can make that are possible. And you know what's beautiful? I mean, Dilla is one of our ancestors now. Yes. And he's a part of that history he's a part of our musical history indeed you know, and he's part of our legacy of you know uh and, and and it's you know he's born february the 7th he passed february the 10th right in the middle yes of uh, black history month and he's a amazing yes, he modern contemporary black history figure that revolutionized you know sound right and has a whole yes. Yes, he did. That's producers, right Yes, that's mind-boggling, but it really happened. <laughs> I, I witnessed it all, so I'm like just, you know, spellbound a lot of times, just reliving it. But uh, just like I have uh, these, mem these memories, these memories, memories, and to watch the future J. Dillers come along, you know, by by uh, paying it forward. It's so many parents that have that gift in their home and and they will all come to fruition if they just open those doors and allow the children to uh, participate and to learn at every opportunity until they discover who they really are. We really don't know who we have in our midst, you know? Wow. And uh, you, uh, and you, uh, oh, can you hear me, my dudes? 
Oh yeah. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, when I hear about all of the things that, you know, people have done over time, you know, all these tributes, all these albums, all these, all this merchandise, all this artwork, all this stuff. I just think of like, what an imprint and an impact, you know, that he's had on, on the world and, and, and just what he's given to us, you know, his beautiful legacy that he's given to us. Can you take us back um, and just give us some Dilla history? Like, you know, what, what, what was it like, you know, in Coney Gardens, uh, you know, wow. the, the young Dilla. The young Dilla, playful uh, for a few moments only, you know, <laughs> if you got him outside to play. Um, he was easy to get along with uh, as a child and only had to, had to scold him like for one week. When in his terrible, supposedly they say terrible twos, but he had one week where I had to chastise him for touching something that I asked him not to touch only for that five to seven day period. But I never had to do anything else after that. You know, uh, he was just like, just crazy uh, when it came to obedience. You know, you they listened, they were respectful, and they did what their mom said. And... Uh, I never had to worry about him with school or homework or anything. All of the children, uh, James, Earl, Martha, they all did excellent work. And they never had to study. You know, I had to study growing up. <laughs> they had to do homework. I had to study in order to do the homework. They never had to study because they were uh, early readers. So they all, you know, um, comprehended everything they read, loved reading, and uh, loved work, the schoolwork. So that was... a uh, no brainer for me. I had no problem there. He was easy to get along with, but all he ever wants to do was play music. So from two years old, he spent records and that was where he spent his time. Uh, he would play with his brother Earl, like on the, around Christmas time when kids get toys or whatever. And we try to buy him something, but he never wanted anything but something musical. So if it wasn't a uh, new turntable, like the bigger Fisher Price that he might've got the smaller one first year. But if he got either got until he got uh, maybe around 10 and he wanted turntables, you know, that you could play music on. And then the next year you want to ask him what he wanted. He wanted another turntable. Either he wanted a bigger turntable either. Uh, by the time he got into his teens, he wanted two turntables, you know, but he wasn't, um, and gifted these things throughout the year. It was only Christmas time that they really got anything because we didn't have it like that in the household. Mr. Yancey had two families that to provide for, you know, his first family before um, he met me and we had our family. He had older siblings, you know, so Mr. Yancey had two families to care for. So it was not like he was able to splurge and do these things and uh, Dilla just like they appreciated what they had. And uh, did fine, but he was a prankster. I understand a few times he I could never catch him doing anything, but of course, they tell on him later on, you know, as he got older, they would say, Well, you remember this, mom? And it was be something that Dilla had done or made them do, and they and they probably got blamed for it, whatever. But uh, he was very easy to get along with, uh, loved his sister and brother, and then by the time he was um, when he was 13, this is when John came along. Uh, he was a kid brother for real. Uh, Dilla was 13 when John came into the world. And uh, so, yes, that that was uh, 
the kid brother that get the door slammed in his face kind of like thing going on in the house when they were teens and because he would be riding his bike in the hallway in the house and they'd be like oh my god here he comes again so it was like this crazy house uh but it was it was good he was really respectful and obedient he loved playing music he took piano lessons uh before he was five he started taking piano lessons in craneswood piano school uh, but he wasn't, uh, he did well, but he wasn't comfortable. You know, you can tell if your kids, uh, when they come home, if they're excited about it, talking about what they learned, he do the lessons and be ready the next Saturday to go, you know. But he didn't have the excitement, enthusiasm that I wanted him to have. And that's when he started taking uh, piano lessons with Professor Minor, uh, School of Music. He was a pianist for... Um, our church choir, Vernon Chapel in Coney Gardens. And Dilla started taking piano lessons there. So he loved that. He was already playing uh, violin in, in uh, Atkinson Elementary, along with Martha and uh, Earl. They were all taking uh, instrument and uh, playing that. And uh, Dilla was taking it because it was uh, mandatory, you know. But uh, at that time, he was interested in other instruments. So by the time he got to junior high, he wanted to play drums and Miss McConnell had uh, no open for him. But she told him, she said, if you will play this cello for me, I promise to get you the drums by the next semester. And he really didn't want to, but he thought he would be able to do it just while he was in school. He didn't know he was going to have to take that thing home to rehearse. So he was, he said, okay, but he actually was, uh, cutting down alleys to get home with that yellow because he didn't want anybody to see him catch it. And he was supposed to catch the bus from, <laughs> from uh, Farwell to home, but he was too embarrassed. So that's what happened. We found out once that he left it, his teacher called and said, well, he left, he was supposed to bring his cello, but I'll drop it off. She said, if you give me the directions, because he was supposed to have it and we have a concert coming up. So she bought it and she wanted to know why. But he just finally told us then that I don't want to be seen carrying a big thing. <laughs> he was embarrassed because nobody he knew was playing cello. You know, it wasn't a popular thing to do. So he mastered that in a couple of months and was playing uh, at spring concerts for the high school graduations and everything. So, you know, he uh, learned to uh, love it and he mastered it. Uh, he could play the flute after 15 minutes with a book, Martha's Flute, along with the music book he'd take it upstairs come down ready to play all through the book he just was uh, gifted like that he could uh, read music and uh, he loved it and he just got with it so he was able to do that you know and play keyboard so it was a no-brainer for him uh, he learned guitar at, by way of Amp Fiddler's song wow this is like amazing and you remember in the uh, Sweet for My Duke's film, they have a chair for him in the cello section. Yes, that that brought tears to my eye when I saw that, just watching it all night and knowing that they had set it up. It was the most beautiful presentation and tribute that I think I had ever seen at that time. It was so meaningful, and I had no idea that it was going to happen. I was there for dress rehearsal the day before because they flew me out to California for it. And uh, 
I remember going and listening to some of the rehearsal. Uh, I don't know why I was there at the re dress rehearsal. Uh, I was thinking that I had to be there for some particular reason, but I guess it was just because the whole band was there with 60 piece orchestra and uh, they were, you know, feeding everybody. Um, it was, um, geez, I'm trying to think. Uh, were the people that were like rapping on it and stuff? Uh, they came and they did their, uh, they didn't do that till the night before, I believe, but it was uh, just the uh, orchestra. But they knew that those people that rapped, uh, like, you know, Paz and, and Bilal and everybody that came out in Amp, everybody in uh, Dwelle, everybody that came out and sang, uh, they knew their song. They did, they played it and did the songs. It, it didn't take but maybe one take, you know, for them to play it and be happy. The, in, the uh, instruments were just like amazing. The orchestra was like so on point. I've never been so excited listening to an orchestra before. And I've always loved classical music and studied it since a kid. But I was thrilled beyond measure that night. Just the fact that his music, and I knew every song, you know, from the rap songs, everybody in the audience knew what song it was when the first few notes hit. Everyone just like, the crowd was just like beside themselves. They could hardly sit in the seats. And uh, half the night, it was standing ovations during the entire performances. Uh, it was just so outstanding. And so uh, outstanding. Kareem Riggins was the drummer. Yes, he was the drummer. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Outstanding performance. But then he and Kareem had long history, and they, they had lots of time spent together and did a lot of music together over the years and did a lot of music in studio a together yeah and then um and and talib was on that um talib yes. Pali rapped on there pause the news exactly. from uh uh daylight was on oh there. my god yes yeah, and, yes. yeah it was amazing it was really all were very close uh to dilla personally hmm yeah Bilal. Yeah. it was just beautiful oh my god Bilal did his thing um reminiscing yes, Mm -hmm. Yes, and that's I'm one of my favorite songs. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. He yeah, did it. Cello uh, piece, man, I cried too, my Dukes, when I saw that cello piece. No, I know. Mm -hmm. It's like it was like almost like his spirit would be there watching and nodding. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, I know that was amazing. I was so happy. I don't know what I. It, it was a thrill that I don't think I've ever experienced. It was just a different type of thrill that I got from that. And it was so warm. And I just felt that he was happy mm -hmm. that his music had taken on that measure. Mm. And and can you talk about, because um, throughout the years, he worked with some of the people who are, you know, super major, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Like, geez, who did any work? But every every day I'm finding out new stuff and every year I'm finding out more people that he did work for that didn't come forth until late, you know, and people that he did work with uh, in yesteryear, should I say. But uh, he never talked about a lot of the things that he did because he didn't think anything special about it. It's just that he did a superior job for everyone that he took on. And uh, he wanted them to be happy with the work that he did. And that was the most that he wanted. It wasn't, uh, for him, it wasn't about the money. Of course, he enjoyed what he 
could get, you know, and he enjoyed having a ride, even though he couldn't spend a lot of time riding, you know, riding around because he was busy making music all the time. But he enjoyed having a few things in life that he had earned. But for him, uh, he would pay it forward in a heartbeat. He'd help anyone in need. And uh, it was more about the joy he got from seeing someone smile because he did something that they wanted, that he had uh, finally got to together what they really wanted and for their music. That's what made him yeah. proud. And he did, uh, you know, when Janet Jackson came yeah. out and changed her sound and wanted to become more contemporary. Exactly. You know, he did, he, he helped her, you know, he created that new sound for her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it got till it's gone. Yeah. And then the Tribe Called Quest, you know, yes. they, when they wanted to change their song and become more contemporary, right? Indeed, he, and it worked too. Their song, their sound, right? Yes, indeed. They got Grammy. I'm telling you, uh, even uh, Common's first gold uh, album, uh, Buster got platinum and gold albums through Dilla's work. You know, uh, he put himself to the to the iron, you know what I mean? He stuck the irons in the fire, made it happen, and uh, used his mind and his skill. He had a relationship with music and the development of music that was uh, mind-boggling. Wow. I mean, he worked with Erica Badu. Well, yeah, she'd come and, and uh, record and spend a week there at the house, you know, going over, trying to get her album together for whatever year you know, whatever new album she had, she always has done Dilla work. Uh, and she and has that it. tribute, The Healer. Yes. You yes. know, The Healer is dedicated to Dilla. Exactly. And, and, I mean, and the tell list goes on and on, right? I mean, yeah. Quest Love yeah. always talks about Dilla and oh, yes, his influence. Um, Robert Glasper oh. has Glasper. projects, right? Oh my God! Yes, the Blue Nut Project a year ago. Uh, it was amazing. Uh, well, it was 2019, but it was October of uh, 2019, and uh, at the Blue Note, and that's when he uh, had a dedication for Dilla, and also um, we celebrated my husband Tony's birthday that night. He didn't know at the last minute because we that was a surprise, and then we uh, Robert Glaster. Uh, introduced the Save the Music program to those in New York that didn't know about it. It was just a wonderful collaboration of things together. And uh, Slum, uh, well, Slum was represented. T3 came perform jazz style on all of the tracks, the Slum tracks that they, uh, Robert Glasper had, had him do, and, and some other tunes that were not Slum, and T3 tore it down. I had no idea he could sing like that. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> he could have been a, a jazz artist if he wanted to. I was like thrown back because, you know, it's like they he almost raised up in the house with me. They were there rehearsing every day and I never heard his voice like that, you know, and I was so thrilled uh, and Bilal and Common, Common dropped in uh, for that night. And oh my God, who did it? Everybody dropped in. When we went upstairs for a break, I think everybody I could imagine uh, had been there that night and came through, but the place was on jam. It was like, it was like um, mind boggling. I got a 
thousand pictures from that night <laughs> on my computer. And I, you know how I used to be condensing some things and I can't take it down yet. It was just an amazing, amazing event. And uh, it's just so much love that they would come through uh, for a dedication like that. And then what was like, you know, because when I think of Jay Dilla, right, I I'm approaching it as a fan. You know, I became familiar through with his music through a mixtape that um, and this was the year he passed away. And, And so for me, you know, living in Detroit, I'm so connected to all these different figures who were actually, you know, with him, made music with him, uh, were a part of that okay. history. But I'm wondering, as his mother, what uh-huh. are some pivotal moments, whether in Detroit or just, you know, uh, over time, you know, since his, since his either either since the inception of him making music, or or since, you know, he's passed. That you can, you know, remember as like, wow, that, you know, was a really great, you know, project that he did with this person. Is there, are there some things that kind of stand out for you? Well, I I love everything that he's ever done. I I can't say that I haven't been excited about all of his music because I had turned from a classical lady to a a gospel lady to a hip hop head (laughs) overnight seems but uh, I've always loved his music because it was it seemed to be infused a little bit with jazz. And so that made it more comfortable to draw myself into it. And I think that all his music was good. Uh, I think, uh, geez, I'm trying to separate it and, and and to like categorize it. All of the moments were great. I think. Uh, when he was not when when uh tribe was nominated for a grammy and we were all excited in the house was jumping up and down crazy that uh that would have been something you know that he would have been excited with me and i'm running downstairs and actually talib was there that that night and was telling us uh telling dylan uh come upstairs you know what it's, and he's like oh i don't care about that and he wouldn't you know he didn't care about the nominations uh and he was like, man, you, you don't, you know, he didn't care because he was behind the bar making music. That's what was important. Uh, he didn't care about any of the fluff. He, you know, he just believed that a lot of people that probably did deserve them were not even recognized. And that's sort of like where he was at, is that, yes, well, this is good and this is beautiful. And I'm very happy about it. But how many other people that they not recognize that have done good and beautiful work? And so that's sort of like the lane he was staying in. He didn't want to take things for granted. He just loved what he did, you know. And uh, if he was serious about music, he would take that time, you know, and to help you. But if you came down there and you weren't business, strictly business, you that would be your last time coming. He would <laughs> not, never. Yeah, he would never let you back. He didn't feel any kind of way about it either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Wow, I, I would I felt like a little embarrassed a couple times, but uh, he did it. He said, "No, I don't have time for that," and he meant it. And, and he didn't mince words, and I knew better than to question it. You know, like I said, I was uh, at certain times his employee, not his mom, so I knew the distinction and when to say something. You know, and he knew his business 
Better than me. I was not the one making the beats. So I you know, had to get in my own place. Homemaking is what I do, you know, and childcare. <laughs> and yeah, let's talk about you. Like, let's start. Well, you got this, you know, award. Um, tell us about this amazing award you got. The amazing, most amazing award is the, geez, it's the, let me, can I, can I pick it up real quick for you? One oh, second. yeah, 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 of course. I want to say it right. You know, what's incredible, my Dukes, is that people are always uh, sending you trinkets and gifts and, uh, you know, T-shirts and... Uh, merchandise and <laughs> telling you about music that they made that's a tribute uh, to Jay Dilla or um, you know I know uh, coming to you with project ideas or coming to you with ideas about how to do uh, you know that they want to do a, a tribute or they want to do a show or they want to um, you know create some artwork or you know, a, a video or, you know, something. And um, it's just really, really, it's just really cult-like, honestly. Like the whole Dilla pantheon, the Dilla thing, it's just, it's like a, there's, it's like a cult in and of itself, yeah. or like a cult following. You know? Yes, they describe it as a cult following. <clears throat> this award, before I, um, I say anything about it. Had it not been for your participation and help, Piper, and leadership and introduction, this would not be sitting on my table. I'm going to uh, just read this short card. It said, Dear Maureen Yancey, a.k.a. my Dukes, on behalf of the Hip Hop Education Center, we are honored to present you with the 2015 Extra Credit Award. This is recognition of your exceptional ability to use the STEAM social and, social and hip hop in advance to advance the field of education and health. You are receiving an exclusive award designed by Carlos Mayer, esteemed graffiti artist and sculptor. Okay, who along with designing the BET Awards is internationally renowned. And um, this was presented to me by Martha Diaz, who I have the utmost respect for and love her to death and get so excited whenever I get invited to NYU uh, to conferences and to speak on hip hop education. I've taken part of that since that time, uh, Piper, and I owe you that because I wouldn't be part of it had not been for you. And every time I get an invitation, I'm on my way to New York, you know. And it's uh, the Hip Hop Extra Credit um, Center, and it's uh, centered on all of the aspects of hip hop, all of the elements, and education being key. And it's just a beautiful award. And uh, I have to send you a picture of it so that you can have it. Yeah, I mean, memory. and, you know, my Dukes, you have been... Um, carrying the foundation uh, for 
shoot, over a decade. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, the award is just one aspect. But let's learn a little bit more about you because, you know, Dilla grew up in a house of music and you also uh, are, you know, a, a, a person who is of music, you know? I'm glad you said it like that because I'm not a musician because I'm in my in my mindset, unless you know how to play an instrument. <laughs> I always tell everybody, you say, Oh, dude, what do you play? I said, No, I don't play any instrument. I said, What you sing? I said, Yes, but it's not the same. Okay, for me anyway. But um, yes, I, I uh, grew up uh, in a musical household uh, where it was different genres played. My mother, uh, loved country music and uh we'd have to clean house to country music every saturday and the only distinction that we would have uh from that it would be sam cook she would play some sam cook other than that and we'd be waiting for that because we didn't know all the words to all the country songs but she'd be playing and that's how we clean house okay on saturdays it was her day off and uh then we had an aunt that liked blues and and we all like church music. And uh, at the time, as I was a young girl, I wasn't in a choir, but I used to adore listening to choir singing in church when I was a kid. And as uh, I got older, I was able to join choirs and to sing. It was in uh, junior high school that uh, I had joined uh, Wayne State Honors Choir. So I was still able to carry that on. And that's why I used my security blanket to hide under because nobody that I knew or in the family liked that type of music. So I could blame it on a curriculum, <laughs> but I was totally enjoying it and loving it. You know, I've always uh, loved that in opera. And uh, I remember growing up as a kid, the two records that I had that I loved so much that I had asked for at Christmas time uh, was some, a record by Leontine Price. And I got an album by Leontine Price, the opera singer. And I couldn't tell you where it is today. I have a suspicion that my one of my siblings got rid of it while we were moving or something. They hated it and they used to play flying saucers with it by her butt when my mom wasn't around. But I loved uh, opera. I studied classical music in the schools. And by third grade, I was singing at eighth grade in high school graduations. And that was specifically because I loved it it was easy for me, love music so much. And of course, I didn't have any competition because I don't think anybody else in my class wanted to sing that kind of music. You know? So it was a piece of cake. I learned the song and uh, the teacher would spend that time with me over the weekend. I'd have an hour or so to work with her and to get the song down for the graduation. So things like that. And I just loved it. And I always sang in choir since then. I was... Uh, in a contemporary gospel group in Coleman Gardens for over 30 years. And uh, we sang all around the city, you know, uh, called a positive force. And we sang at different churches. We were from all different denominations, but we came together to sing uh, contemporary gospel and to just, you know, uh, be a help to any organizations that might be having programs around the city that needed somebody to sing and, and also to sing when we could at our church, uh, which was Vernon Chapel 
some of the members there, but uh, some were, were Baptist Church of uh, God in Christ. It didn't matter. It was uh, about the goodwill that you would do that we came together. That's beautiful. So, yes, I spent a lot of time. And then when I met Mr. Yancey, he was a jazz musician playing upright bass. And um, he sang jazz. And when I first met him, I had auditioned uh, for him. <clears throat> for um, I just did it to see, could I pass audition, Piper? I was not even looking to sing anywhere. I was actually working every day at Internal Revenue. And I had no intention of singing. I just was something that my aunt said, well, you should do this because... I went to a friend's home at Christmas time with her and my mom, and she heard me singing. Uh, and uh, you know how you sit and you're having a good time, and and my uh, somebody will play music. Okay, saying, "Would you say, Marie? Would you sing this song?" And at that time, Aretha Franklin was one of my favorites, and uh, so they asked me to sing a couple of tunes, and then after that, a couple of more. And so then the lady said, "Well, uh, I had never been to a home before." She said, "Well, I want you to." sing that again from a friend of mine. And it happened to be that that friend that I sang for was Mr. Yancey. And that's how I met him through the audition. Wow. So that, that came about. But I was not interested in that. I was not giving up my internal revenue job to be singing somewhere. <laughs> like, I wasn't trying to do that. You know, I had been singing and it was an opera. You know, it, I just started to doing a jazz thing. So, yeah, I wasn't comfortable like that to do it. But I, I learned because he would help so many people. He would help anybody that wanted to learn how to sing because he had been a musician for like over 25 years. And uh, so he still loved to do it and to, you know, to the people for free, you know, just because they loved it. And uh, so that, that's another uh, reason that we all had it. <laughs> uh, a lot, of, you know, a lot more in the house. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, as you were, um, you know, in this group in the in the uh, forces of nature, uh, positive force. Uh huh. Oh, positive force. Positive yeah, force. Positive force. What, what time period is this? Oh, geez. I mean, I know it's thirty years, time, but yes, about the time. Um, it was, uh, let me see, was Illa J? No, before I even got pregnant with Illa J. So this was like 80s up until, um, geez, until John was at least a teen in high school. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah and so, you know, whenever they would ask or something, it was like, Mr. Yancey didn't like me the, the time because he wasn't that interested. He had learned so much about music. It was like, uh, it was taking, he didn't, he felt like he was going backwards to participate sometimes, you know? So he just like made it hard. I'm like, I'm enjoying every moment of the singing because we're doing everything, even the classical, you know? So he was like, oh my goodness. So he didn't like that so much. So he tried to make it hard so I would be able to do, get the music together for a concert. So what I would do is he didn't know that I would get the music for the concert and it could be 18 songs. And I hadn't made the rehearsals, but I tell the girls, I said, okay, uh, somebody recorded tonight, get it to me by tomorrow and I'll be ready by concert time. Concert be two days from there. And I know every song, every part in time. 
So that's how much I love music. <laughs> you know, like, nothing was going to keep me from being there for, to, for the performance and to be able to hold up my my part because I was the first soprano and I knew that a lot of songs need that bottom and the top. Everybody stay where they're supposed to be. And I loved it. I loved it so much. And there's nothing greater than the love of something in your heart. Nobody can take away. And music has been that for me since I was a kid. And I knew that Dilla shared that in his own way. I didn't know if, you know, if it meant as much to him. I knew this all he had time for was like a science for him. It's like a little professor. I would call him, you know, like would never get up from the, you know, all of the bottles and everything and try to figure out what formula he was doing. It was like that. It was a science to him. He had to figure out and to make it happen and to do and complete. And for me, music was like a healing bomb because of the things that uh, I dealt with growing up as a child and hardships. It soothed the absence of things that I needed or felt that I needed. And it made me comfortable with myself. And that's, and that's what it did for me. And so in that, it helped to build my self-esteem. So I'm sure that it did as much or more for Dilla as it would for anybody that uh, was involved in it because it has a way of, of touching your mind and your spirit and the energy that you give. Yeah, I mean, I think about, you know, you were a vocalist and, you know, uh, Mr. Yancey, God rest his soul, was mm-hmm. a bassist, you know, a jazz bassist. So yes. the music, the love of music, like that totally makes sense, you know? Yes. As being something that was just like there is natural. Um, yes. And I, and I must, must not leave out the fact that uh, all of the children in the house uh, had to learn to sing at an early age. I started working with Faith when she was two. And that's my granddaughter, as you know, she who just turned 21 last year. Okay. And uh, actually, my children started around uh, four years old that we started training them to sing along with us. And we had songs that we would sing as a family. Mr. Yancey would give parts. You have to learn your part and know it well and be able to be where your note changed to. If he decided to switch it up, you'd have to know where to go. He was an intricate writer like that, and that's what he expected. And um, so all the kids were able to sing. But we taught them uh, by Manhattan transfer songs, a cappella. So that's how we trained them. So they all knew. And, and Dylan was one. He could do any part. Uh, they, you know, any part, yeah. And so, you know what's interesting? Um, you can hear the, the jazz and the, mm-hmm. and the appreciation for the voice, right? Like the vocal yeah. stylings. I think that's what Dilla brought, you know, in creating the Neo Soul was uh-huh. the vocalist into the hip hop. It was. You hit the nail on the head. That's, that is exactly what, what changed and what, the, what transpired. That was like so sweeping, you know, um, to be able to take the right music and to blend it with something. And the blend had to be right. And it was so beautiful. And so I guess that's why I caught fire like that. Because we still had a need for the R&B flavor. Rap hadn't taken everything out because we already had been infused with R&B and, and pop music. 
but then they tried to change the genre of pop. So it was a need for neo-soul. Yeah, and it's interesting at the time that it came along. Mm-hmm. And when you think about the range of artists, right, that he worked with. Yes, yes. Right? Like he yeah. had such a broad range of artists that he... Broad range, all styles. All styles, right? Yes, yes. And it makes sense now, you know, hearing you speak about what the household was like, you know? It was. Mm. Definitely, definitely musical household. You know, he could be downstairs making beats or working with a slum, and we could be in the living room rehearsing with our uh, group because not just the positive force, but uh, Mr. Yancey and I uh, were part of a, a jazz quartet, a cappella quartet for a couple of years called the Larks. And this was uh, composed of uh, one of the girls that he worked with at Ford Motor Company, Allen Park and uh, myself, and a girl named Dorothy. I forgot Dorothy's last name, but she was a realtor and a friend of Dolores's. And we got together and we did acapella jazz. And we not only did acapella jazz, but we did, we were all in church. So we decided to uh, put some songs together spiritually and do a spin on uh, spiritual songs with our jazz flavor. And that's what we did. And we sang acapella every time. And we did uh, quite a few concerts at our different churches, uh, the Larks did. And uh, yeah, that was fun. That was fun. But I remember uh, Dilla came upstairs one day and told us during our rehearsal, he said, uh, Ma, he said, he said uh, I don't know when, but I'm, I'm working on something right now. He said, and I want you guys to sing, uh, I want you guys to sing on some intros or some stuff I'm working on. However, that that time never came because that's around the time just before he started having difficulty with his hands and he had to put some things aside. But uh, we were always waiting with bated breath, you know, for that call to be a part of something that Dylan was doing. Yeah, that was one of the things that he had said he wanted to do. And I was so, so hoping that would have happened. It would have been really fun to do. Mm. And then when... Um... He was working. You know, what's interesting, I think about this sort of, uh, I guess, like kind of typical vision that you have of a parent, right? When a kid is uh, working on some music, but it seems as though he was nurtured in his home and, and had that space, right? Encouragement. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say it wasn't a couple of times that <laughs> Mr. Yancey, uh didn't say, you know, could you tell him, you know, it would be late, he'd be rehearsing it. And Mr. Yancey would say, well, uh, could you tell him to turn it down a little bit? And I would get angry with Mr. Yancey and I would and I would tell him, no, I'm not going to tell him to turn it down because he's working. <laughs> I said, I would tell him, I said, I'd rather him be downstairs with a little bit. But what, it wasn't like so loud uh, because our basement was really well, you know, it was pretty tightly built. However, uh, the bass, you know, Dilla used heavy bass in most of his stuff. And the bass, would, uh, it, the actual bass speakers were, uh, our, our bedroom was right above it, should I say. So every beat of the bass, our, our heads were bouncing off the pillow you know, at night. So it, even though it was kind of like frustrating, uh, as a mom, I took comfort in the fact that 
I know he was doing something constructive. He wasn't in the street or doing anything wrong. And that I could trust and know that he wasn't going to do anything or, you know, get ridiculous or, you know, whatever. So, yeah, I, I'd have to just like put my foot that down. Dukes, that yeah. you know, it's amazing that his father, right, is a bass yeah. player and exactly. then music is heavy in bass. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, another thing, Piper, now he used to put uh, Dilla to sleep at night when, as an infant uh, using the bass runs with his mouth. Wow. So that's what he used to. He would play Dilla's little, like he do the bass runs with his mouth and he would rock him on a knee, right? But Dilla, he'd be patting him on his stomach and running the bass runs while he'd run his finger across his tummy. And mm -hmm. so that's how he put on his sleep. He'd rock him to sleep like that. Because Dilla was not a, a night baby. He didn't want to go to bed. <laughs> you know, he wanted to be up. And sometimes Mr. Yancey had to work uh, or go in for an extra a day or something and uh, or extra hours. He'd be tired and I would have to put him to sleep. And I wasn't good with that knee rocking thing. And I definitely couldn't do the bass run. So <laughs> I'd be trying to go to sleep. And I'd be so tired, Piper. And a couple of times, Mr. Yancey would get up and, and find me almost nodding with Dill on my lap, you know. And, and he'd like, oh, I'll take him, you know, and just get him to put the, you know, the bed because Dylan was like wide-eyed looking. And uh, he was like not trying to go to bed, but he was not that night person. He never, ever was. You know, he worked for two or three days straight sometime without taking a nap or a good nap and going to bed. I would, you know, complain to him because it wasn't healthy. But if he was working on a project or like Q-tip or Questlove has something to do or somebody was in town like Common or something and he's trying to finish a project, he was not going to bed till it was finished. So, you know, I always make sure that I had a deli tray on a bar for him downstairs and all his little snacks. I, I shopped for him so that he would have every snack in the world in the basement for all of his guests. Even if they were vegan, I would have shopped for certain kind of cookies for common when he come and different little things. And uh, it was like a candy store and everything else down there. So he would not have, not have to go out to the gas station or anything. They would have everything they needed there. And I would cook food because I knew they were coming, because I was like too thrilled to cook food. I'd be so excited, you know, that they were coming. Wow, that's, this is so amazing just to hear. Yeah, it was just Being there, you know? Yeah, it was just wonderful. It was like, I was a fly on the wall. I was, you know, I knew it was happening. I was so thrilled. I was so proud of him. But he was, you know, you couldn't talk about it much because he didn't like people making over him. Like uh, when uh, Slum came out and uh, they were doing had, um, newspapers on the front pages of newspapers and, and stuff like free press and news. And I had, I got to the daycare that next morning and my staff came and they had papers waiting for me to take to James when I go home for the break for them him to sign them. And uh, I didn't get a chance to go home that day. And I hadn't even seen the papers. They knew about stuff before I did. And actually that same day, James came to see me at the uh, daycare because I hadn't got off and Q-tip was with him. He bought Q-tip up to the daycare. And uh, so my staff, you know, they were going by because they knew about him because they had talked to him many times when he called the house to talk to James, but Q-tip was in the flesh at the daycare. You know? So they were like going crazy and uh, oh, I was so excited. And I was so thrilled and happy to see him, you know. And uh, I asked James and he was insulted by me asking 
him to sign those uh, newspapers. So I didn't do that anymore uh, because he was like, no, I can't do it. I said, what, you can't sign it? He wouldn't autograph it. He said, no. He said, I can't do that. He said, I'm not, you know, I'm not the person to be doing something like that. I said, well, they just want one autograph, you know, whatever. He said, no, I can't do it. You know, he said, I don't want anybody thinking of me like that. I'm just me. And that's how he felt. Wow. So I had to learn to, I had to learn to respect it because I was like a little, you know, like teeth off because I'm like, I just want him to sign one name, you know, just scribble something, you know, but he didn't he didn't want to do it. I'm sure that they think about they wish they had it now because I'm sure they kept the magazines and keepsakes. But uh, he didn't feel that he was worthy of that. He, you know, it was just James. So, you know, OK, so. He's gotten at this point so many projects after his passing, you know? Yes. There's been so many, just so much stuff is just so amazing. But yes. And he, you know, he was born on February the 7th. He passed on February the 10th. Yes. You know, um, I think about, like I said, this is a, you know, he's a, a contemporary, you know, um, Black history figure. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm wondering, like, you know, with all the things that you, you know, all these, all the things that you know about, right, that, that have existed, what do you, what do you, what do you feel like you like to see that you, that you really haven't seen, you know, in terms of, uh, something that would commemorate you know his his legacy well wow that that's just, i've been so blessed i think that uh what I, what i would love to see is uh in his hometown uh even even if it's by the, by the foundation's hands an event put together to pay tribute to him and to um, honor youth that are perhaps uh, like in the uh, Save the Music program by some kind of way, and also to help us support some needy um, school there. You know, uh, some of the um, teachers that don't have uh, chapters in different places like Boston. Oh, that's one place I forgot that's a chapter, okay. Boston, there uh, are two people there that are working with the youth. And um, one of them uh, is a school for children with special needs. And uh, these children were like so overwhelmed with the uh, deal of music. And I got a call from them a year ago as they were celebrating Dilla Day on his birthday. And the kids were so excited. And they called me up on the phone from there. And uh, it just just like made me want to cry. And I knew these children, they couldn't sit still to very well to do regular assignments. And they were something to deal with, okay, academically for teachers to deal with. But they paid so much attention to what they learned in music appreciation and about Dilla. And they were so excited to call me on the phone and to tell me that they were celebrating Dilla's birthday. And these are kids like under 10. And they were so excited. And my deuce, 
I listened to Dilla Beats, you know, and they were so excited. And I just like could not believe it. And I knew about these children before. And I also know that there are teachers that, especially one in uh, Florida, teaches uh, children uh, for the deaf. And by some means, she uses Dilla's music. And they, it soothes them. I don't know which particular ones. Maybe I'm thinking maybe the sweet or something. It's from my mind because I never asked. I was so almost brought to tears when she was telling me, but she uses it in her, in her music, in, in her class during the time they do music because they appreciate it and it seems to soothe them and calm, calm them down. And they appreciate it so much. So Dilla has reached not just college students that use this music to get through their finals. I've been told millions of times <laughs> or people that need it, you know, or relate to some of the things that he talks about. But uh, even, even when times are not happy times, that music has a place for different ages and in different situations. So I'm just so thrilled about it, but I'd like to see something done on a grand scale or coming together uh, in his hometown because it was so many years that his hometown didn't know about him. And, uh, and I just like to see something done on a grander scale. 2019 in October, I gave a dinner, uh, which was uh, provided by the foundation at Vernon Chapel School, just to kind to get the parents in the area to know that some of the children were interested in music and the different careers that were open besides rapping is other things, you know what I mean? And, and about the STEM program and different things that uh, excite children and make them open and expand their minds. And I had flew uh, a gentleman out from North Carolina and I flew a gentleman out from uh, Minnesota that works with us at uh, the Minnesota chapter. And they talked about it and Super MC performed there too that night. And it was at the church and it was like just so beautiful. We had a full sit down dinner and uh, compliments of myself and my sister. We did the cooking ourselves <laughs> and, uh, and with Vernon Chapel helping. And of course, Joanne Adams. Thank you, Joanne, for always being that one. Helped us out. And uh, it was a beautiful affair. It was wonderful upstairs. A lot of people had the dinner and they didn't stay for the entertainment after and they missed it. It was just, just wonderful. And uh, for the young people that were there, they learned, it, it was just a beautiful thing. All ages were there. Um, Mr. Nice Guy showed up. He came anyway, even with his wheelchair. And I was so glad that they had the chairlift. Uh, and it was just a beautiful, beautiful uh, affair. And it wasn't that in the numbers, but I'd like to do it on a grander scale and have people really come and participate, you know, so that they can see the good that Dilla is doing, even while he's not here, that is growing. And it's a grassroots thing that it will never end. It's an ongoing thing. And as long as I live, I know, and as long as people like you, Piper, are living, that need to supply the children with what they need to grow into bigger, better, stronger, and more conscious people will be met. So that's what I'm looking for, something like that to sink my teeth into. Foundation is all about that. It's all about the children. So that's why it hasn't been a lot of music things as of uh, late, because we've been thinking about the children and things to reach the children, things in, in different ways to reach the children, because the age group we're listening 
Fadilla is getting younger. So we have to address those children too with the right Dilla stuff. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And I mean, you know, there's Dilla curriculum that are in university as well. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Arizona State has uh, designed one specifically for the safety music. So they already have a, oh my God, it's Dilla curriculum everywhere. And then, of course, Dan Charn is teaching uh, at NYU. And I get a chance to go there every year. I missed it, you know, going this past year because I love it when I go there and meet the students, you know, face to face and sit in the classroom. And it's amazing the things that have come out of those classrooms, you know, and that the college curriculum is there. It's it's, a deal of curriculum is live and well in the colleges. Yeah. Yeah. And I think about it, you know, um, you have the, the, uh, is it the, the, the lupus walk? Yes. 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 Uh, I think the one of the most outstanding uh, has been Atlanta. Uh, they never fail to get to get, bring the numbers out. You know, California has done well. We uh, rest in peace, Dave. New York. He it has been the catalyst uh, for some tremendous walks in Cali. And uh, as you, when you go to my website, you'll see that he's still there, alive and well. On their website, I can't take him down. He's just part of part of what I do. You know, um, he held he held it high for me and raised it up for Dilla, and uh, supported me until he left here. You know, and uh, I just I'm so grateful for so many people that have. Uh, paved the way for me to do what I feel in my heart is right. And I live for this. This is uh, why I'm alive today. I truly, truly believe that God has extended my time because I have a charge to keep. And it's for young people to be able to have opportunity to do God's gift to the world. They all have a gift to bring forth. And Somebody and has Uncle some Herman, you know, Uncle Herman had the donut. Yes. I just talked to him a couple of days ago. And yes, and he working there, right? The, the yes, yes. He tried so hard. It, he had a hard time, but he hasn't given up yet. He's, he hasn't really thrown in the town. He, although he won't be at that spot. I know my brother. And you'll see hear from him soon. I think as soon as pandemic's over, we'll find out what what arm he's on now, you know, because uh he has so many offers uh, to come so many different places where he would have full support, you know, but it's really rough, you know, and uh, business wise and, and uh, industry wise in some places. And, and that uh, location was like uh, not beneficial to what he had to do. I think, you know, not to mention it. I think he, I feel like he was being trying to, maybe forced out of that spot because of the need for somebody else to get in there to do whatever. But I'm going to leave that alone because I don't know. I'm not in the deep. <laughs> but, you know, it was a good work and something good came out of it. And people came from Paris and everywhere else and made, made it their business to stop and get their pictures there and, and they get their donuts and different things from there. And he loves it with his whole heart, you know. But uh, he has not thrown in a towel, so he'll be doing something. Yeah, and that's Dilla Donuts. And then yeah. um, 
you know, my Dukes, as far as like the merchandise and stuff, the merchandise is yeah. incredible. Yes, merchandise is good. We're, we're having, uh, it's like divided around, you know, and uh, I had to, like you said, about, you know, we talked about following protocol and uh, doing things. And so that's why I had to revamp because things have to be done in a certain manner. You know, business is business. It has no pleasure, has no place in it. And, and when, we uh, do the, uh, when we would do the youth day, right? Yes. The um the youth from uh Stitch Up the Stitching Up Detroit, mm-hmm. they would design an amazing design just for Dilla Youth Day. Mm-hmm. And um we would buy the t-shirts from them and they would yeah. get the event just like printing out their shirts. And then I just oh. you know, it's funny. You know, we never uh-huh. charge for anything and people would come and be like, oh, you should put this design out. But we were always like, no, that that design is just for the kids, just for this event, <laughs> because, you know, we know that people were always making fake Dilla merch. I know. And, I know. Dilla merch. You know what? See, that that was an exception to the rule. <laughs> but we'll, we'll address that later. And guess what? My Dukes has a printer in the home now. Hey. I, I guess brand new in a box. So I said, I guess, that'll be my next thing. Learn how to print t-shirts. So, yeah. Yeah. That, that's well, there's so many people would be making just like crazy fake. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think I'd like to do some uh, official my Dukes things mm-hmm. and uh, hands on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And over time you've, you've done some, of there is real Dilla merch, you know. You've done oh, yeah. some very legitimate collaborations with people. Oh on yeah, merch. Yes, yes, indeed. If you don't see my dudes posted, then you know it's not legit. <laughs> That's the only way I can say because you know people, you can't keep your finger on everything all the time. But uh, yes, if you see if you see my name or uh, you see official my dukes or vintage vibe music logo on it then you know it's official other than that it's not official because i always coin everything even without vintage vibe uh, i approve any and everything first and so if my name is not on it or you don't see me posted on my page you know it's fake and then he has the uh the toy the dilla toy that's made by syntax yes but that was not um that wasn't official oh that was yeah, but that was that guy got biased uh, by somebody that shouldn't have been approving it without their family's approval. But oh, that's what I need to bridge thing. Okay. We, you know, I, I was there at the uh, film war when we first, when Syntex first bought it to us and see that night at the Dilla event and loved it. But then uh, he went otherwise with it and uh, he never addressed it because we were really, excuse me, interested and wanted to do it. But I guess uh, somebody else probably had a better offer. So that's how that went. But uh, there will be uh, another one uh, coming along. And But uh, for now, we're going to uh, keep working with Patches. And uh, most likely, because we have uh, kids that are uh, younger starting out, I think that we'll start out with uh, with a soft Dilla doll as well as a uh, one I want one to look like him, 
you know, not like a caricature, but to look like him. Yeah. Wow, that sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. So, and then, yeah. and then you have the various, you know, projects like, uh, you know, instrumental projects. You named one earlier. Can you rename it as we're closing? I want to, I want to, uh, just touch back again on the um, musical project. You know, before we go, you mean the VH1, the one with, um, you said there was Chuck D and Drez from. Oh Black yeah, Eve, and it's going to be the Drez. The Drez and Dilla project. Okay, Drez and Dilla project. And Chuck D uh, is, it, it takes part in that. And I'm going to have to get back with you with the other names, but there are other uh, well-known top-of-the-line artists that are participating in that project. So just look for Drez and Dilla. That will be out this year. Yeah. Coming soon. That's, a, yes. that's great. And then... Uh, we'll have video as well. So that is going to be something that's going to be fun. And then where can people follow up so that they can be part of what is officially, you know, going on with, uh, with the J Dilla legacy? Okay. Well, you can also, you can always, um, reach me on, uh, at the www.jdillafoundation.org and I'll take you direct to my site, which will link you to the James Yancey Foundation dot org either of those and then on and, find, media. and that will take you to everything that we do everything that we are doing and uh it will even um list certain things that that i forgot to mention <laughs> you can you can log on and see and you can see video or you know clippets of different things like uh why Clef john and and different things as we uh promote different things dilla and uh, also you can find, you know, see uh, the students at uh, Central High School in Detroit uh, talk about the Save the Music Dilla Tech Grant. And then on social media, what are the official social media accounts? Okay, the official so social media accounts. There are so many. Ooh, wait, let me see. Okay. That would be the James D. Yancey Foundation.org. That's the foundation page. The www.jdellafoundation.org. That's the merch site. Our Facebook account is the James DeWitt Yancey Foundation. And you can also go to official J. Dilla. Okay. And that's officialjdilla.com? Dot com and that, I believe that one is under construction because that's the one that Illa J is heading. Okay, okay. And then what's Illa J up to? I know he got Illa J. Yeah, Illa J. Oh my God, he is so like amazing. He's always doing something during the pandemic. He's uh, rejuvenating himself in this sports thing because you know when he went to Central Michigan, it was all about the sports. We thought he was going to go out for basketball but he gotten into the sports sciences instead while he was there. So he's uh, up with his, he never stopped with the exercise and the waist is on a daily regimen forever and ever. That's probably why he has a stamina to do the shows by himself, you know, but um, he's making more music. He's still doing work for people on the side and uh, creating some of his own uh, new music. Uh, I, I can't even imagine how many, 
pieces. He probably got a couple of albums done by now. Uh, he's um, taking up, uh, he started, when I talked to him last week, he was uh, adding running to, again, to his regimen. And uh, he and his wife, they, they do a lot of uh, nature type things, you know, like uh, they, they go out into the desert areas and she's an artist. And so she paints and does also graphic uh, arts as well as painting. And I mean, they're just like mind blowing they, the things that they do together. They they eat right, you know what I mean. So when I was there, I ate right when I was in their home, you know, like when I went to visit a year ago. And uh, it's it's just I'm just so uh, pleased and happy about his life, and and he's totally happy. I was uh, really happy, you know, uh, to see that he got married. I, even though pandemic time, you know, couldn't be there, but I I love the pictures. And uh, he's going to be working with me on these new Dilla things as, after this pandemic. It's going to be a lot new big Dilla things coming along. And of course, Piper, you will be one of the first to know because we'll be in touch and uh, as we go along. But I'm talking about big, big things that people have been waiting for. Uh, people want to see him on film and something about it. And so we're going to make that come to fruition. You know, and it's a lot of people in the pipeline waiting, but a pandemic is, you know, we have to see first. And I'm glad that we didn't uh, sign on to do anything particular, not knowing how things pan out for a lot of people. A lot of people and companies are not going to be where they were last year. So it, I, I'd say it's, I've been grateful uh, that God gave me that time, you know, to think and, and to wait, be patient. Because he has plans, you know. Indeed. The most and high. Uh, the and most then you, high you're married levels. now too, right? Oh, yes. I've been married like. At least five almost years. Six years already. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm probably going to be seven this year. And, and I've been in Puerto Rico uh, for six years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And are you still yeah. living in Detroit at part time? Well, whenever I come, yes, I I have uh, I'm staying with Martha back and forth when I come there, but not in not on uh, Wexford Street, no no longer uh, there. Uh, she said it was time to move. We we moved to uh, Warren, and so that's where I go to Warren to visit with her, and uh, and then I'm here in Puerto Rico, and since the pandemic, that's where I've been home in Puerto Rico. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. Yes. Wow. This is yeah. beautiful, my dudes. I, I really appreciate you spending the time to... Are you kidding? I've enjoyed every single moment of it. It was so good to catch up. And there's some people that you know and love, and it, it could be 10 years, and it seems like yesterday. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to these projects and the many more, and especially oh, yes. things that are coming out this year, and, and you know, and even the... the, the big, big plans for next year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking for some tumultuous things that are going to happen, Piper, and uh, your name is already being carved. Oh, and speaking of that award that I got, the very first award, I have it in storage in, in Michigan, and I intend to bring it here to Puerto Rico so I can look at it every day. <laughs> like, yeah. I miss that. It's set on my table in, in the living room every day, you know, and it's one of the most beautiful pieces that I've ever seen, and the work is so well done. And also, uh, remember Joy Delano? Yes. 
Yes, I, I talked to him not that long ago. We keep in touch. And because I still remember all the magnificent things and works that he did while he was there, 5D. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, I mean, man, we, 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 we really, really, really appreciate you. Raise them all right. <laughs> we appreciate you, my dude. We really appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you and everyone, everyone. Yes, indeed. And when I see everyone, it's just like yesterday, and I'm in touch. I get a chance to speak at the I get a chance to see him online sometimes because he's when he does the IG live. Mm-hmm. I get a chance to blend with them, you know, and different other people from Detroit. So, and I and I hit up Amp at any time. I just I think about him sometime, and I'm and I dial his number, you know, just call him on the phone. But uh, I miss you guys, Miss Mr. D. I hope to see you guys soon and when this thing is over with and uh, as soon as travel is, is you know, open, then you guys can come visit me in PR. That sounds wonderful, my Dukes. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a, 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 a really, 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 you know, just beautiful spirit and you just have a really wonderful way of, um, you know, just sharing the legacy with every, everyone. So just gratitude for that and gratitude for sharing your story. You know? Thank you. I appreciate uh, anyone even caring to know, but I especially appreciate the help. And like I said, giving honor to people that help move this uh, movement forward. This cult following started a small thing, Piper, and you are instrumental in that. Wow. I'm honored. I'm honored. Yes, well, but Tony and I always talk about it. You know, every time we're looking at it, yep, if it wasn't for Piper, your, your ears should ring a lot. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my dudes, I really do. You know, we acknowledge that. We acknowledge that. And we made so many, uh, so many connections and new friends. And uh, it even helped to make, uh, like, before the pandemic, I was booked for speaking engagements, like, the full year. Almost until through September. Wow. And, and uh, you know, I mean, and a couple of them were in Detroit. I had a couple of keynote speaking engagements. And so I, I'm like, wow. And then pandemic hit and that nothing could happen. Right. But it's just been an honor because had it not been for the foundation and for those that worked with it and helping it move forward with the willingness to share and cooperate with one another. That's what makes it work. That's that teamwork. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's what makes it happen. Well, yes. thank you, my Dukes. And, um, you know, we want everyone to go on to um, Jay Dilla Foundation. Is it .com or .org? .org, yeah. So org, and that's where you can connect with my Dukes and everyone that's yeah. working on all these wonderful projects and just find out, you know, what's going on and get involved and support uh, you know, pushing the legacy forward. And this has just been wonderful. It's, um, you know, it's Dilla time, Dilla month. And, um, you know, we celebrate the entire month, but definitely uh, the 7th for his birthday, yeah. you know, yes. and um, just appreciate you. And everyone, this has been, you know, uh, the Piper Carter podcast on Detroit is different. And you can check us out on all social media 
platforms and all streaming platforms to listen to the podcast and try to interact with us on our Facebook group, uh, Piper Carter Podcast. We look forward to speaking with you. We're also on Instagram and on uh, pc.podcast. So, you know, like, share, subscribe. We just really appreciate you uh, listening to the Piper Carter Podcast and um, we'll see you next week. to the Piper Carter podcast with Piper Carter for a conscious take on music, arts, politics, and fashion. The founder of We Found Hip Hop has a say on what you should know about culture with a balanced conscience. Subscribe, like, and share on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher to the Piper Carter podcast to hear the stories and thoughts of Piper Carter. Follow Piper Carter on Instagram at Piper Carter. <laughs>